2: Song,
3: song,
1: song.
0: <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows
1: of Berea. Folks, welcome back to Notes from the Underground, where we're going to take a microscope to some of Christianity's thornier topics and people. I'm your host, TZ on a mom so hard so verse.
0: How do you mom so hard today?
1: You know what? I just, I love you. Have a good day. Oh.
0: You know, How motherly.
1: I do. Well, we just had Mother's Day, so I'm feeling particularly warm Oh, my daughter you had a good me. Mother's Day. Well, yeah, I did. I, I had a good Mother's Day. Um, my daughter made me a Mother's Day card. She's two and a half, by the way. Mm-hmm. So her Mother's Day card was a piece of white paper with a pink... Rectangle glued in the middle of it beautiful and some scribble scratch I still yeah. have some
0: of that for my kids
1: but like the way she ran to the door at daycare mama I made you a mother's day card because yeah. I love you that's and gave gift. it to me mm. Oh my! I got sentimental when my husband asked me to marry him but like that took a second like that's number two <laughs> now yeah. you know like that is number two now um, but yeah to my right Rick the pod father Welch hello what, what does Holly call you?
0: She she calls me the podfather.
1: She's the podfather.
0: She says I'm the podfather. I, I like that. I'm word. gonna make a podcast that you can't refute.
1: Yeah, refute. That's it. <laughs> That's my favorite. I like that. Yeah. And then uh, behind the glass, Rocket Man and a bishop. We're slim Pickens today. We're yeah, missing, we are. We're missing the reckoning and we're missing Sarita Edge. The oh, Edg- he's not Edgerton. the reckoning anymore. Oh no.
0: No, you gave him a new name.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> you know it? what he is? Is it Daddy? Big, Big Daddy. Big Carter. Daddy Carter. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's and it fits. Funny. it's funny. We that love it. Funny. Yeah. I hope you haven't
1: gotten a whole lot of flack for that for what? For the that that podcast that we did where we're making jokes about No. No? Okay, good.
0: No, I mean, the only, uh, you know, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of the feedback I've been getting recently has been overwhelmingly positive. Oh, that's
2: fantastic. And, and remember, I did cut out the part where we all admitted to our violent crimes. Oh, yeah. right.
1: Okay, good, So good, I think good. that
2: probably helped it go over. All yeah. the
1: culpability for our, our previous yeah, yeah. sins. Yeah, okay, that's good. I, but I, guess, I am
0: holding it
2: in yeah, case we you guys have, want to
0: get lippy. We <laughs> have a lot of, exactly. Uh, he has, the first time I ever made our intro. Uh-huh. I said, (laughs) you know, and I was like, it's a conversational podcast. We study the Bible. We talk about it. Yeah. Not Not all all of us are in the same same faith. faith, And one 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 of us doesn't even have a faith. Yeah. Yeah. And that's wonderful. We all love one another. We're going to continue to talk about these things. Yeah. The things we believe in and things we believe about we read in the Bible. Yeah. Not all these things are necessarily true.
1: Some of this is speculation. O- opinion
0: and speculation. Thanks Thank you for, for listening, listening and speculating, speculating with, with us. Him. And if you don't like it, you can go yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and he took it out, but he still has it.
3: I'm sure it's somewhere,
0: yeah. Lippy. Do not get a lippy. Don't
1: get lippy with I Andy. was actually
0: just kidding. I didn't mean it that way. No, sins. no, no. But I said right. it as a shock to Billy because Billy's eyes got as big as 50 cent pieces. And he's like, what? That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that is, mean- am- that is amazing. Yes. I'm giving a thumbs up to the babysitter because I want to know that everything's okay.
0: Yeah. That's
1: how my mom's so hard today. I've got she the does. infant.
2: She's going through her bag or something. I promise, if something goes
1: wrong, you're going to be the be first, the first she know. tells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Cool, 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 cool cool, 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 will cool, cool. Be. Well, y'all, we've, uh, we've been doing a deep dive uh, in preparation for and now in honor of Pride Month, um, which is where we. Spend some time as a nation celebrating and affirming the LGBTQAI community. Uh, and so because of that, as a national situation, we've decided to do a deep dive on same-sex relations and the Bible. This is our third installment today. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the previous two installments, you might want to go ahead and do that so that you're on the same page um, with us. As usual, this is a giant conversation mm-hmm. with an absolutely astronomical amount of cultural uh, research and relevance and historical information that needs to be kind of sorted through before we can understand what we're talking about. So, if you are jumping into this podcast now, you might be a and little bit know,
0: lost. And, yeah, and you know you don't like go back to the beginning. The people that I encounter on a you know on a daily yeah. basis, you know. Mhm would even have a problem with you saying in honor of or anything like they get it's so hardcore their stance against this topic mm-hmm. that I feel like we've forgotten how to love people yeah. in that regard and to understand that these are human beings that they have what they believe and they do what they do sure. and that to alienate them and to put them on the side and treat them as if they're subhuman in my opinion is barbaric and awful and that's we are way beyond that yeah and what, so I hope yeah. 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 um, But we do understand that as we approach the Bible, that certain people that believe specific ways Mm -hmm. um, that we're getting in deep, we're having the conversation that a lot of them will not even have. Yeah, And they may, and, and I'll just tell you now, you know, if you are you know, angry about it or whatever, you may not be happy with how we're going with this episode, you know? And that's okay. You just have to turn it off. We're going to do our thing.
1: We're going to do our thing. But also, if you...
0: Or don't. Don't turn yeah. it off. Do your best
2: to listen through and... Uh- I don't know. You use it to devise your arguments against the things yeah. that have been said. If and you I agree see, with that one hundred percent. I guess you know? I just
0: mean from a you know there are some people that well, are very harsh. That's man. true. They if say it's some very triggering hard things.
2: and it it's triggering. If, if it's triggering and it turns you into a person that is unable to be reasonable and it's completely crushing your day. If if you get triggered by this sort of thing, then yeah, I guess that's all you can do is just avoid it. Yeah.
1: Well, let me let me. W- and let me just also say there is some amount of what we are going to be discussing, what we're going to be diving into in terms of what the culture, what the Greco Roman culture was like, mm-hmm. and what practices were commonplace and what practices had social sanction that are f-ing gross. Mm-hmm. And in reality, if you are living today and you have a preconceived notion about what the gay community is or is not based on those cultural practices, you wouldn't be remiss for having a violent attitude towards the LGBTQAI community. But, to, but, be clear, because, to be clear,
2: because those because a lot of those, those practices, practices wore, were gross yes, yes, and, and
1: were abhorrent, and we're going to discuss that. Right. What I'm suggesting is that we need to update our definitions of certain things mm-hmm. because, quote-unquote, homosexual isn't that anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is a different thing. Yeah, that word
0: like you talked about in the very first episode. It's yeah, it's it's, it's not even yeah. I understand completely
1: different thing. And so, so what I what I want to do, and what I'm hoping to do, is give us permission to um, to unequivocally denounce the things that God also unequivocally denounces, but also give ourselves some theological freedom to not just condemn a whole swath of people because of a couple of practices that God's not into. Here's the thing. Uh, What does the Bible say about pornography? Mm -hmm. Nothing. You know why? Because pornography is an invention of the modern age. Now, there were cave paintings. We've uncovered a lot of stuff like in Rome and then because um, of uh, like Pompeii and Mount Vesuvius, we had these giant Uh, eruptions that preserved whole towns and cities because everybody was just laid waste in the ash and lava immediately. So as they dug and found some archaeological stuff, we do have quote unquote images, pornea. We do have these images um, on like cave walls, on like city walls, essentially graffiti. Mm -hmm. Um, We have vases. Uh, Vases were commissioned art in the Greco-Roman world. Mm -hmm. So you didn't go to a shop and just like buy one. You like would commission them and they would get painted at your request. So we have vase, vases that are painted depicting behaviors that the owner of that vase requested to be painted on that vase. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did we not have, know that.
0: I'd never heard that. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome.
1: I did so much research.
0: It's <laughs> a <laughs> lot. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to do that today, it'd be really, really expensive.
1: It would. And mm-hmm. it was It was at the time too. Sure. Yeah. The vases that we, like when we have that art, you know, that is like, it, the rich people had that. Mm -hmm. rich people had that. When we talk about the ancient world, we're talking about the upper echelon because those are the people that had the finances to go to school, who had the opportunity to spend time writing about it. So it's basically as if 500 years from now, you are trying to understand all of American culture by watching four episodes of The Real Housewives.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's what it's like. Now, there are going to be certain things within that Series of shows that you are going to be able to apply to all of American culture, but you also have to recognize there is a certain issue of class that is that is happening here. Yeah. Okay. So when we get to the part of this study where we're going to be discussing uh, New Testament culture and New Testament uh, literature and New Testament condemnations of behavior,
3: mm-hmm.
1: we're going to be acknowledging that the culture that these people were discussing and talking about, because what you're talking about is Christians that are going, okay, we don't want to live like the people around us anymore, so how are they living? Most of what we have now to look back and go, well, what was that culture is what the upper echelon of society were doing. We have these vases. They're disgusting. They're Mm -hmm. disgusting. Yeah. Like, why would you want to— display that Mm -hmm. you know what was really popular in rome tiny little dicks on Mm. necklaces (laughs) why Mm. were they all having
2: bachelor bachelorette parties dude
1: no they were for men like it's so wild yeah the culture in and around (laughs) ancient greece and rome had such a very different approach to like sexuality and like what was acceptable and stuff. So, so when we get to that portion, you also have to remember what we have left that we can examine, the poetry, the literature, the legal documentation. I have a giant book right here in front of me that contains all the source documents, the actual documents that we have mm-hmm. that these extrapolations were made from.
2: Amazing. I'm so sorry. That's
0: so cool. I'm like thinking of a quantum leap episode where they go back to Rome and all these guys have these tiny little dicks on their. Skin.
1: It's <laughs> wild. It's so wild. They won't do it. They won't it's do so it. It's so wild. It's so wild. And like when we get there, there's this one particular play called Clouds that's really interesting. And it's 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 a young man, and and the it's a young man, and it's basically like a good angel on the shoulder, bad angel on the shoulder,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they're trying to like convince this guy to follow um their tutelage on how to be a man is mm-hmm. kind of what this thing's about. it's really short and good ar- good argument the 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 white angel is supposedly and what it is is it's a giant commentary on the culture mm-hmm. and so they're both actually terrible arguments like okay. they're both the 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 bad angel <laughs> but the white angel is kind of how society <laughs> has tried to make and make a terrible terrible living seem good. And that's what the, the story's about, right? That's the play. Yeah. And good argument is telling this guy, if you do things my way, you're going to have—now, this is not—I'm quoting directly. You're going to have a, a a blossoming physique, a well-rounded rump, and a tiny prick.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because that was what was gorgeous. That mm. was what was considered the epitome, a big, giant, feminine butt and a tiny little wiener. <laughs> What? Dude. Like That's it's funny. it's so interesting. But listen Sounds
0: like what Michelangelo made with David. That's
2: exactly I've I've heard that about yeah. a lot of that statuary that the the penises are appropriately sized for what was considered to be attractive at the time. Yeah, mm. and there's other
1: periods of time in, in Greek culture where that shifted, right? Um it, it's different depending on like uh we are so so off topic right now. Sorry, because the next stop in the sexy train is Leviticus, hmm. not Romans. Yeah. So we need to like rewind, like you know. <laughs> well, we've talked about w- statue penises.
2: I think we're good here. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Talk about tiny we- tiny weens as a form of uh, of personal decoration.
0: Oh man.
1: So <laughs> what we're trying to do here is we're trying to we're trying to concentrate our study from Genesis to Revelation. So our first podcast was sort of setting the stage about what we believe about the Bible and, you know, making sure that anybody who would jump to a conclusion about my opinion and belief about the Bible and its authorship and its its validity would would be able to know for sure that I profess Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe the Bible's God breathed, right? Yeah. Don't don't come at me with that ish. I don't want to hear it. Number 1, number 2, we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah because that is the first time in the Hebrew Bible where we encounter this sort of like same-sex relations and their um their eventual fallout. We've we've debunked the idea that that story is about homosexuality. It's not. Go listen to that podcast if you are not mm-hmm. following. The next place that we're going to have a discussion is Leviticus. Because Leviticus 18.22 is where we find the prohibition, if a man lies with a man, as a man lies with a woman, he's done what is an abomination, put them to death, right? Mm-hmm. So starting from the top, the book of Leviticus. It's etymology. Uh, most of the time people assume that the book of Leviticus is about the Levites. It's not. Uh, Leviticus is an English translation of the Latin form of the Septuagint's title for the book, which was Leviticron. So, Leviticron means priests or priestly.
2: Also my favorite transformer.
1: Leviticron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. the only transformer nice. with a beard. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and a tiny wiener. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so, the original name. <laughs> <laughs> that tag was
2: too good. It was. <laughs>
1: the, the original totally. name for the Hebrew book was Vakira. Um, in originally in the original Hebrew, each of the five books of the the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. you know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, each the the name of those books refers to the first word or words of the book, and so Va'kira literally means he called <laughs> because the first words in Leviticus are and the Lord called to Moshe saying, right? We say Moses. Must must have have been a a lot of books called the...
0: First of all, you taught me this, so I didn't know. Oh. But I learned something after I looked it up. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is so awesome. I had no idea because I always thought it was just about the Levites, right? Yeah. But it wasn't. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, I'm glad I learned that. Mm -hmm. Well, I also learned that like the Psalms, you know Mm -hmm. how we like, let's recite the 23rd Psalm. We'll say that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not how the Hebrews looked at it. You know what they titled them? It's the first words in the book. Yeah. So, the Lord is my shepherd. Was the name of the psalm? Yeah, and we do hymns that way too, like "Blessed Assurance," Jesus is mine. Right, it right, right, It starts off right, with the first right, right, word, right. Yeah. "Amazing Grace." How sweet the sound! Right, amazing right, Grace, right. right? Funny, it's the front of the hymn. And that's just how they titled things. That's how they titled it, you know, and they didn't have the Oops, numbers I Oops, I that's did it again. Oops, I did it right. again. Britney Spears, but if <laughs> you well, did <laughs> tradition,
2: <laughs> I mean that but was it, obviously mm. an intentional reference to Old Hebrew.
0: But it also yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slow burn. Uh, I wonder what... Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I
1: was just like, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that took me That's how I feel, a long time. Just so you
0: know, that's how I feel when you and Andy talk most of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> especially on the modern English language. Uh, but the thing that I learned that I thought was so awesome, I'm sorry to take you off topic, but no, it is on good. topic. No, it is. When Jesus was on the cross and he was dying, he says, my God, my God, yeah. why hast thou forsaken mm-hmm. me? And we know that that's how the 22nd Psalm starts. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. If it's the title of the Psalm... He's actually saying the title of the psalm, and it's a messianic psalm about his suffering and his death. And in essence, what he's doing in front of everyone there at the cross is he's saying, Think about that psalm. Oh, A lot of people think uh, that it's like, oh, he's actually being forsaken, and, and oh. we hear the theology. But there's another way of looking at it.
2: But he's referencing. He's referencing. You think he's referencing that psalm? It he sounds is referencing like he, the he's psalm. Re- I think he's referencing. Ah. The psalm. He's absolutely
0: yeah. referencing the yeah. psalm. But he's also the mind of the people. They're saying uh, they would have caught that right away. We just killed the Messiah. Yeah. That's what it's they about. They just caught it, yeah. It's incredible. It's also
1: possible that he was in true distress and he was praying. Yeah. You know? And it's also possible that. he was praying a familiar yeah. prayer, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and one that would have brought him great comfort in that moment, an hour of his death. Sure. And, you know?
0: But anyway, I started sidetracking on no, that. But you taught side me side something, track. and it's I was totally like, guess what I learned? Yeah. yeah,
1: it's so fascinating. So, 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 the story. So that's where that's what we're gonna be looking at. We're looking at the book of Leviticus. It's it's instructions for the priest, and it comes from Vakira, which means he called. That's where that comes from. It's the first the first statement of the book, right? The placement of Leviticus is right there in the middle uh, between Exodus and Numbers. So Exodus is not just about. Israel's deliverance from Egypt. That's what we've come to know it as based on like the Prince of Egypt and stuff. That's really only like the first like three or four chapters of the book or like the first eight maybe. Hmm. And there's like 40 chapters of the book. Um, So it's just the beginnings, the whole, the rest of that book, right? Once they get out, it's the beginnings of the structure of Israel as a people out of slavery. And it includes issues of culture and justice, um, in Exodus 18, that's when Moses's father-in-law Jethro sees that uh, people are individually coming to Moses every single day and asking him to arbitrate their issues. Yeah, be a judge for it. Yeah, and Jethro's like, "Dude, this is not like sustainable, man. Like, mm-hmm. you can't. Like, you got too much to do. Like, y- you can't do that." And so, 18:14, uh, Moses is like, "Well, they come to me to inquire of God." And I need to decide between one person and the other, like, what's the right thing to do? So, why don't we, real quickly, I'm going to read the rest of that chapter.
0: Okay, sure.
1: Because when we understand what's coming from where and why, right? So, let's read, we're going to read Exodus 18. So, Jethro's like, this is, like, such a waste of your time. Like, what are you doing? And then Moses is like, but they come to me because, like,
0: I, guess, I have uh, to do this I'm, thing, I'm with you God.
1: know? Yeah. So so you will surely whale yourself out is what his, <laughs> Moses's Moses' father-in-law told him, what you're doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now, listen to me, and I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases before God, teach them the statutes and instructions, and make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God are trustworthy, and hate dishonest gain, set such men over them as officers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Local police, state troopers, the army. The feds. The president. The feds. Yeah. The president. Like Mm -hmm. He's like, look, this is. Right. Look, make, make community officers, make statewide officers, make national officers, and then you're in charge, right? If you do this, And God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all these people will go to their homes in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men from all Israel and appointed them as heads over the people, as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. Hard cases they brought to Moses, but any minor case they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went off to his own country. And that's the rest of Chapter 18. So they're wandering around in the desert. They're they're trying to figure out how to establish a social order. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: They're trying to figure out how to establish a code of conduct and the laying of the like sort of spiritual and social foundations of Israel's covenant with this God, who they didn't know. Let's be clear. Israel didn't really know their God anymore because they'd been removed from him for so long in their slavery. If you look way back in the beginning of Exodus, they were crying out because of their oppression. And it says God remembered his people. Yeah. Which suggests he kind of forgot about them. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. You know? And it certainly seems that way. I mean, he was, he was definitely. He had told Abraham what would happen to the people; that yeah. it would be for four hundred years, and yeah. that's exactly what happened. And so, when they cry out to him in that point, there he wasn't listening prior to that.
1: No. So there's this interesting period of time where these people they like kind of have like a vague, like memory of this God that was their God before they came into this time of enslavement, but like they didn't have synagogues, they didn't have people teaching; they were really pretty much wrapped in and around. Egyptian culture and in their identity as slaves,
0: mm-hmm. and I think they probably had bits yeah. and pieces of their culture that were still, you know, inside their little homes. They might do things um, that were similar to their culture, but they were definitely away yeah. from what they'd known, and so they were completely, they were fully cross-pollinated with what they were. They were. In were. For years. So you
1: want to go back to Egypt?
0: Yeah. With it's warm and, and secure. Secure. Little Keith
1: Green for you. Um, <laughs> so, Eating
0: leeks and onions by the Nile. Ooh, <laughs> what, what breath we're dining out in style. Style. Oh, yeah. Funny. I
1: love that song. We, we should have a whole episode where we just oh, like, sing Green. our favorite <laughs> Keith Green. Song. Um, but so so the rest of Exodus, they leave. They have all these uh, miracles, the striking of the water, the man of falling, the quails, whatnot and also it's sprinkled here and there with this this construction mm-hmm. of a social and ethical order that Moses is as the head giving to these people these men in charge of thousands tens hundreds tens fifties fifties yeah. and tens
3: mm-hmm.
1: so this goes, for, so from chapter 18 to chapter 40, these bits and pieces of the foundation are sort of like in interspersed. And then there's the structure of the tabernacle, the Ten Commandments, all of that's happening at the same time. And then uh, in chapter 20, that's when, or chapter 20 is where the Ten Commandments come into play. So all of that stuff that we think of as, you know, their time in the wilderness,
3: mm-hmm. that
1: the narrative begins with their leaving Egypt. There's right. a whole lot more. All right. So then the tabernacle is constructed at the very end. Chapter 40, it's like the last thing. And the Lord gives instruction on when and how to set up the tabernacle. And then in verse 16 of 18 of Exodus 40, Moses did everything just as the Lord had commanded him in the first month of the second year on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was set up. So it's the first month of their second year of exile. Mm -hmm. So they've only been outside of Egypt for two years.
0: Right, yeah.
1: They're just figuring it out. That's right. And that's when Moses sets up the tabernacle. Leviticus 1 1 then says, The Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Leviticus 9 says, On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. So on the first month of the second year of the first day, he sets it up. Then the Lord speaks to Moses. On the eighth day, he summons Aaron and his elders. Right? Like there's this timeline and then Numbers 1, 1 and 2 says, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they came out of the land of Egypt. So essentially the book of Leviticus, the whole book, that takes place in the first month of the second year of their Exodus because Numbers then starts in the second month huh. of the second year.
3: Okay.
1: So it's, it's, just this, it's just the tabernacle's finally established, You know, we've already had the Ten Commandments. We've already had, you know, bits and pieces of of their culture set up. But, like, now God's like, now that there's a tabernacle, God's like, okay, let's just get all of this out and, like, written down so that you guys can start being accountable to this covenant. Mm -hmm. So, the data of the Exodus has never really been fully determined with like any kind of certainty, but a lot of scholars kind of pretty much agree that this happened during Egypt's new kingdom, which was like 1550 to 1069 BCE. Mm -hmm. And just to note, I use BCE and CE because that is what current scholarship uses Mm -hmm. before the common era and the common era. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the book of Leviticus is likely dated to around that same time. And that's a big jump. That's like a 500-year, somewhere between 1550 and 1069 BCE. That's that's a big chunk of time yeah, but mm-hmm. that's about like that's about where this is all going on all right the structure of the book is pretty pretty straightforward uh chapters one through seven are this new sacrificial system the burnt offerings grain offerings guilt offerings all that stuff then chapters 8 through 10 are like the inauguration of the priests and the sacrificial <laughs> service
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh chapters 11 through 16 are the purifications and impurity systems so this is like after a woman said ben had childbirth, she's unclean for X amount of time. If a man has an emission in the night, he must go immerse himself fully in water. He's unclean till evening. <laughs> Just all of that stuff. If there's a piece of fabric with a fungus on it, the piece of that fabric has to get cut out, and the rest of the garment has to be emerged in water. Like, that's all the, the, that stuff. And then chapter 17 through 27 are the holiness code. And Mm -hmm. this is where God outlines the obligations and prohibitions that Israel must follow in order to fulfill God's commands and become a holy people. Holy being, meaning set apart from other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I was reading Pamela Eisenbaum this morning, and she was discussing how it's important to note there wasn't necessarily anything inherently wrong with semen, for example. It's just that, because like, if you had slept with your wife— you were unclean until evening, so you couldn't go to tabernacle.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you, and you had to fully immerse yourself in water. That was the requirement mm, every time you had sex. That's weird. <laughs> and so what? What? And so what? Pamela, Pamela Eisenbaum is a scholar and an author, and she's actually a New, a New Testament scholar, but she's Jewish. And um, she was one of my professors, and I, I love her dearly. Um, but she she was saying that like, it's not as if there was something inherently evil about semen or like heterosexual sex between the loving couple. It's just that God is outlining the ways that Israel is supposed to behave radically different than its neighbors. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be radically different than its neighbors for a reason, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Because this is how this nation is meant to define itself as unique from its cultural neighbors. Yeah, right? and it
0: seems like their God yeah. is defining what the holiness actually is.
1: Yeah, in his, yeah. To them. Yeah, to them. And, yeah. And, and, and again, like, it's not like there's anything, like, there's nothing inherently evil or wrong about a woman menstruating. She also, when she's menstruating, is not allowed to go to Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with that per se. It's just that because of the cultural practices of their neighbors, which often included—you all right, Andy? My leg itch. Okay. <laughs> Andy was doing yoga in there for a second. <laughs> um, but because of the cultural practices of their neighbors, this is also meant to like, de- like describe and define the differences between what is holiness to this tabernacle versus what is holiness to other tabernacles. Because, hey, hey, surprise, Israel's not the only one that had a tent of meeting. Right. Lots of cultures, especially ones that were nomadic and lived in the desert had a tabernacle that was a tent of meaning that could get moved and set up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Hey, newsflash, they didn't make up animal sacrifice. No, Literally every single neighboring nation had a system of animal sacrifice. Mm-hmm. None of this was invented by Israel's God. None of it. Mm-hmm. These were the cultural practices that were happening in and around Israel. It's just that, so, so this is the way that God's like, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to take you where you are and create a system that looks similar to you, that looks familiar, that you know, you know? Mm
3: -hmm.
1: But I'm going to tell you how you do it differently because I am different than all those other gods. Right. So here's a tabernacle. You guys know what that looks like. You're familiar with that. Here's a burnt offering system. You're familiar with that. You know that. But here's how we're going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. That's what that's all about. So chapters 17 through 27 are the holiness code, and this is where God outlines kind of those Prohibitions and obligations, um, and I think like I got this giant book, the Karen Tanakh of Israel. It's amazing. It's a great series, and um, I read a lot of really interesting stuff that I'd like to share. Like one thing that's of particular note is the fact that all of these things—what is holy, what is ethical, and what is practical—are all wrapped up into one text. That's extremely unique hmm. in the terms in terms of ancient writings that we have from other cultures in the Levant. Um, Torah is literally the only text where we see that happen. Every other culture and every other writings that we have, they are segregated. What is priestly is the business of the priests, and what is civic is, you know, the business of the civic leaders. Mm-hmm. And never the twain shall meet. What's also significant about the division is that what is what was priestly in other cultures was meant to be secret. It was uh-huh. meant to be private, and it was not to be disseminated to, like, the rabble yeah, right. I still
2: feel that in a lot of religion, which I always thought was odd. Yeah, it's not like they're doing anything all that special, frankly.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> everybody's seen. Everybody has seen the Prince of Egypt. No,
2: I did not,
1: oh, brother. I own it. Let's yeah. have a date. Is
2: this is the new one. I watched
1: the old one, the DreamWorks one oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. with Val Kilmer and Michelle oh. Pfeiffer and Steve Martin, and
0: it's it's animated.
2: Yeah, yes, oh cartoon. yeah, it's the one that uh, came out at the same time as what movie was it? That there did
1: quite- can be miracles yes. when you believe. That yeah. song still gets they me. You see the
0: separation of the Red Sea, and then you see a whale in there. Oh, like
1: hope is for real. Yeah, Ooh. and it's like this incredible, right? That was like, that was like. I remember they kept that in the previews because it was just like animation-wise and like, what was this, 92 or some nonsense? Yeah. That was just like mind-blowing. It was like the best animation anyone had ever seen. It was really good. But there's this scene where Moses, voiced by by Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. is going to stand in front of Pharaoh and demand his people go. And he's got these neat little tricks that God taught him to like make his staff turn into a serpent, yeah. or like pull his hand out. It's covered in... Leprosy, like God gave him these little tricks. And the Egyptian priests are like, You're cute. We do that. Yeah. That ain't none, sir. You know,
3: yeah.
1: like when you watch that movie, it visually kind of depicts what I'm talking about. Like this idea that these priests have power. Yeah. Like they mess around. They like, they put food coloring in the water and they're like, it's blood, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can, the movie shows you the ways that the priesthood was kept kind of secretive. The rituals were secret. It was supposed to lend credence to what they were doing, the mystery, and it kept the people in fear. Now this is me being a little like ethnocentric. So let's Mm. just acknowledge that. Like, so that means I'm looking at this culture through the lens of my own, right? Right, sure, sure. But like, because the people had no power- it kept all the power concentrated in the hands of the priests. Mm-hmm. And because all of the, the stuff was like secret, like the people didn't really know, like you, you had to go seek out the will of God from, you know, the the soothsayers and the witches. Like you had no ability to figure out what was right or wrong for your life. You had to go to the priests. And I got Who a couple really secret like- secret knowledge. Yeah, and I got some like really interesting stuff. So like we have this Akkadian text. Um, so like the Akkadians are like the first empire- uh, of Mesopotamia, Generation, gen, gen, Genesis ten mentions Nimrod, and um, many of us believe that this was the Sargon who was king of of Akkad, the Akkadian Empire. Anyway, so old, 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 old. old. Right. Uh, their temple program for New Year's festivals at Babylon includes a, a colophon, which is like a like a it's like a thing at the end, a tagline at the end. The secrets of the temple of Isagil will be shown to nobody except the priest of the temple Ikua. And the Egyptian Book of the Dead also includes several similar colophons at the end of the individual spells. So spell 144 states, you shall recite this spell without letting anyone see it. Hmm. And spell 190 opens with, this role is a very real secret. The rabble of all people must never see it. The rabble. The rabble.
2: I think I've come to the conclusion that the reason they had to keep all that secret is because at the end of the day, it was really nothing special.
1: I think so, but I mean, whatever, that's me like being super judgy. Like, right,
2: right, but but that's, like, the power comes from- Them
1: other guys didn't have no power. Them other guys ain't shit, you well, know? like Yeah, the
2: power comes it, from the secrecy. You feel
0: it today.
1: Yeah,
2: you, feel
0: you feel it, it today. today, even yeah. in our modern society, when yeah. you think about what does the CIA know? They're on the end. Right. They know all of the secrets, so they, oh- the big brother is watching you, you know, like we, and then when we have something happen and we're like, how did that happen? Didn't they all know? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you suddenly realize we don't know as much as we think we do. Yeah,
2: larger, larger lesson, whatever you think is crazy and secret and exciting is probably mundane. Yeah. Well, it's like is, always mundane. This
1: is why Martin Luther was such a powerhouse. That's why his translating the Bible into German was such a like massive upset because at that point, you know, it was only in Latin, and if you mm. couldn't read Latin, you were dependent on the priests. And huh. this is Christianity now. So I'm holding you accountable too, modern mm-hmm. Christians, you know, like or the culture of historical Christianity, Catholicism, there right. was a period of time where like the the secrets of the Bible were meant to be kept from the every average everyday average person mm-hmm. because you weren't able to read it and figure it out for yourself. You you had to be taught because you you're an idiot.
0: Isn't that why they call it the dark ages?
1: Well, yeah.
0: Is that part of it? I think they that's we're part keeping of it. the enlightened part of Yeah. I don't know there, I could be Yeah,
1: wrong. No, I think that is part of it. We I think there's been there's like there's different scholarship around the dark ages now. They try not to call it that. Cause I think it's like sounds mean or something. Oh. Okay. I think they call them just the middle ages now or whatever. I just thought it was like absence but of But I think it has to do with know. that too, yeah, cuz people couldn't read. Well, they they weren't able to read and, le- they, yeah, and they Yeah, And that was partly how the church kept control of everybody. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which is exactly what the book of Leviticus is trying not to do. Because once again, how many times, so many times in Leviticus, the Lord's command is to speak to the people. Mm -hmm. Moses's job is to receive the the revelation, and then disseminate it to all people. This is unbelievably unique.
3: Yeah, no and,
1: secrets and here. only exists in Torah huh. in terms of every other ancient text we've ever uncovered. Wow, that's amazing. It's really amazing. Like it's meant, and, and only here do we see what is ethical and what is holy being combined into one.
3: Yeah.
1: Because Israel's that's treatment of one another was not just because this is civic law, it was because this is how you honor your deity. Mm. Totally unique. Like that's not a thing in any other culture. What's priestly is priestly. What's civic is civic and never the twain shall meet. In Torah, it's completely different. Their entire culture and the way that you treat one another is also holy, which is again, back all the way back to uh, Genesis. That's one of the biggest indictments that all the prophets had on Sodom and Gomorrah. Because the way they were treating each other, you know? Huh. It, the think. way they were treating each other was mean and greedy and selfish. I mean, it was, I mean, this Ezekiel outlines, and we went over that in the last episode, exactly what the sins of Sodom were and not a single one of them was sexual. It was, they were greedy. They had abundance and they didn't share. They were vain, right? Yeah. You don't treat, in this culture, in Israelite culture, the way that this is the foundations of this culture are being laid, you don't treat each other that way. Mm-hmm. You don't treat each other that way. And so it's really interesting and unique. So again, so chapters one through seven are the sacrificial system, which we've already discussed is not, that it was not created in a vacuum. We found this thing called the Marseille Tariff. Um which is also really interesting. The Marseille Tariff is from like the 3rd or 4th century. And it's a stone monument that's written in the Punic language. So Punic was linguistically really, really similar to um, Hebrew. And uh, it's like a a Semitic language. And so this is the 3rd or 4th century BCE. And it's also like a list of animals, what they cost, how the priest is to cut them up, which parts are supposed to be burnt, sacrificed, and whatnot. And it comes with the same sort of like linguistic structure as Leviticus, which all does this if-when thing. So if you bring a goat, when you do this, it's really similar. So I just want to point out again that like the sacrificial system outlined in one through seven, that's not, it's not really that, that's not that unique. Mm-hmm. Everybody was doing that. Um, but what I think what's happening here is that what we're seeing is the setup of the ultimate goal of this God, which is different from the ultimate goal of all the other gods that were utilizing a sacrificial system. Because what we know was the ultimate goal of God was to do away with the sacrificial system entirely. So I have a bunch of different verses I'm gonna just rapid fire read. Hosea 6, 6, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Mm -hmm. Psalm 51, 16 through 17, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit God will not despise. I read that backwards, broken spirit. Um, Isaiah 1, verse 11 and following, right? So I mingled it up. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates They have become a burden to me, and I am weary of bearing them. So God goes on in Isaiah to say in verse 16, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil from your deeds before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow." Hmm. So, what has begun in Leviticus and continues throughout the monarchy, throughout the exile, is the story of God not removing Israel from Egypt, but removing Egypt from Israel. Yes. He's I'm going to give you an
0: amen on that yeah, one. That is exactly right.
1: It's the story of Him removing 400 years, right, of messed up, mixed up ideas about who God is and how God wants to be worshiped. So he's giving them a system that's familiar, i.e., sacrifice, mm-hmm. making a bunch of like weird changes so they can start to see and understand what God does and does not want from them.
0: Mm-hmm. You just made me think of another Keith Green song. Oh. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want your money, I
1: want your life.
0: Oh, there you got one to listen to tonight. What? That's Keith Green.
1: I didn't, I'll go, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I love it. That's wild. I don't think, it I didn't know there was a theme. song I've never heard. I didn't know there was one I hadn't heard. That's really exciting. Yeah. Poor Heather. Oh, I, my friend Heather is babysitting. She's hanging out. I don't know if she's listening or not, but she's she's going to have to listen to that on the way home, whether she likes it's it or not.
0: It's a beautiful song.
1: <laughs> is she in here?
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah she's, sitting she's back there with her headphones on. Oh, yeah. she
1: doesn't. Oh, she's like I don't give a shit about <laughs> <laughs> it. None of this matters to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just she's kidding. She actually is a, now. she's actually went to seminary too. She's got a degree in Bible. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, she's really cool. She's my neighbor. Our kids go to school together. Oh, very yeah. cool. Uh, well, not they don't go. Her daughter's in a different class. Yeah,
3: yeah. But
1: uh, both our kids have developmental day vouchers. So that, maybe we can shout out to the Patreons now. Yeah. That might be a good idea. Yeah. Um, we want to thank all of the Patreon supporters that have provided financially for us because it made it possible for me to be here today because Heather is able to watch the baby for some money. Yeah. Um, her daughter has cerebral palsy and she's a single mom. Mm-hmm. So. Um,
0: so your money went to a very great place today. Yeah. And yeah. we get she, to talk about she this. She lost same. her husband
1: last October. Oh my Ooh. gosh. And so, yeah. So. Thank mm. you, Patreon supporters, for letting Heather have a job today.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: Appreciate it. Anyway, um, back to what we were talking about. So 400 years, they were in slavery. 400 years, they watched, this is how you worship with mm-hmm. the sacrifices and this and that. Mm-hmm. So God sets this thing up that God eventually wants to destroy because he's going to just meet Israel where they are and meet them with a system that's f- familiar to them. But ultimately, God had no desire, like we just read, in several Verses. I don't really care about this. This isn't really matter to me. What I really want is for you to be obedient. What I really want is for you to love justice, to, what did he say? Let's read it again. What makes God really happy? Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Yeah. That's that's what the goal that's where was. he's headed. There was never, God never gave two, two craps about how many turtle doves you got to sacrifice after your are first born. It's just, he set up that system because he needed Israel to start the process of learning your sins cost something.
0: Yes, that's it.
1: Your holiness to me costs you something.
0: Mm-hmm. And this
1: is the cost, right? So that's what's going on.
0: That's a fantastic setup. Good it job. was
1: never the point. Sacrifice was never the point. Um, Which also, of course, so not only do we hear from the prophets that that wasn't the point through Isaiah and Israel we just read, you know, then Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, guess what? I was the whole point, you know, and now watch me do this.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) And (laughs) then— Hey, y'all, look at this. Even
1: further drive it home, the temple is completely laid waste in 70 AD, so now there's not even any opportunity to do exercise the sacrificial system. Mm Because like the the blood of bulls and lambs and the burnt offerings was never going to be the ultimate end-all be-all goal. The In ultimate fact, end-all be-all goal.
0: It was a type and shadow of what would happen to the Son of God.
1: Right, right. Ultimately. And, yeah. So we can understand like the overall point of the system of law when we see just how upset God gets when Israel becomes sidetracked and starts doing things their own way or things the way that their neighbors do. That's why they're not to intermarry. That's why mm-hmm. there's the prohibition. Not because there's something inherently evil or ungodly about their neighbors, which is why Ruth, the whole book of Ruth is about a Moabite being accepted into the into the into the fold. Yeah. Because it was never just about these people are bad. It was like I really need you to not do what they do. Right. It's really super important huh. that you not do what they do because mm-hmm. I'm in, my goal is to save them too, don't you understand? Yeah, that's right. I made them too. I love them too. But if you intermarry with them, you're going to muddle up the story that I'm trying to tell. Mhm. So
0: good. It's going to take you off track and it's going to let them get in you. And that's his whole purpose is to get that out of them.
1: Exactly. So this is actually what the intention is the whole time, to rescue the whole world from a sacrificial system, from a system where priests hold all of the knowledge and people don't have it, from a system where people have to beg and cry out to God. It's an end to a global system of worship. That did not include each individual person having the opportunity to just, like, talk to God for themselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That was God's ultimate goal. Not just, to, not just to destroy that for Israel, but destroy that for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, this is why when we read the book of Leviticus, it is absolutely imperative that we understand some of the prohibitions that show up in the Holiness Code. Because it's not just about what God doesn't want Israel to do. It's actually how God doesn't want Israel to be like their neighbors, culturally or spiritually, which is interesting because the word abomination, tovea, has cultural connotations. And I don't have time to get into the whole thing because it's a whole big, huge mess. But there's lots of different times and places where tovea shows up. One of them is in um, the story of Joseph when he is making a banquet um, as he's in charge of people. When he's in Egypt? The, in, yeah, Egyptian court. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's setting up a meal and he's not supposed to do something, like put some food on the place because that would be a tovea, that would be an abomination. Mm-hmm. It's about what's culturally unacceptable.
0: Ah,
1: uh, yeah. So keep that in mind because tovea shows up in Deuteronomy and it's like, this is an abomination, but it's also, it's in reference to, this is a tovea, this is like culturally what I don't want y'all to do. hmm and, and it's used in reference to Israel, but also how certain Israelite practices were tovea to other nations.
0: Yeah, it's like being yeah. kosher today. Yeah,
1: exactly. Eating so, kosher. Exactly. So it's, if you're
0: going to go to a place, you want to make sure that you can still be strict with your dietary law in the modern time, right? right? Yeah, Same idea. So,
1: so keep that in mind. So to- Torah and and the Holiness Code, it's not just about don't, don't do this, it's about— this is what your neighbors are doing, and these are the cultural practices that I don't want you to do. These are the tovea mm-hmm. that I want you to stay away from. So keeping that in mind, let's get into the Holiness Code, and specifically Leviticus 18, and 2013, which is where we find these very two explicit prohibitions against sexual activity between males— Uh, So, first of all, these verses are embedded in a lot of other verses about who men can and can't have sex with and under what circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I say men specifically because there are only two laws in this entire holiness code that apply to women. Only two.
3: Mm.
1: One is about adultery, and the other one is bestiality. Mm. So there's a lot of like, don't sleep with your sister. Don't sleep with your father's wife. Don't sleep with your sister's best friend. Don't sleep with your, you know, this person. It's like this whole giant list is like 13 or 14 specific relations, Mm -hmm. but there is no counterpart. Don't sleep with your mother's husband. Don't sleep with your brother. Don't sleep with your brother-in-law. There are no counterbalanced laws about what women were supposed to do or could do. Mm -hmm. So that's the hard reality of what we have to look at. These books are designed to sanction men and their sex drive. Hmm. They're yeah. not about women. So yeah.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. That's really cool. So in a lot of ways, if this is true, and I believe that it is, yeah, much like we talked about in here in the past, we've said uh, to follow the letter of the law versus the spirit of the yeah. law. Would it have been assumed or no, uh-huh. that whatever was right for the man was also right for the woman or no?
1: Um, <clears throat> no, because what God's talking about specifically yep. is power. And power Mm. dynamics. Okay. Yeah, all right. Men had power over women. And a lot of those relationships that you see are relationships where men had access. Mm. You had access to a sister. Think of Absalom and David's daughter, Mm -hmm. Um, Tamar, uh, Tamar, Tamar. Uh Absalom and Tamar. Um, Women in your home was the women you had access to. Mm -hmm. And women in your home were also women that didn't have power. Mm. And so that's what these laws were about. They were about protecting women. And restricting the power of men who had access to widows and sisters and slaves Mm. and all this other stuff. Sure. And uh, also, they were specifically relations that were common in Egypt.
0: Uh, Ah, Because it's like,
1: I mean, God could have really just said, don't sleep with anyone but your wife. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Don't sleep with anyone but who you're married to. Done. God didn't do that got outlined these very specific incestuous relationships that we have a lot of evidence were common in Egypt. Hmm.
0: Uh, so,
1: yeah, so incestuous marriages between fathers and daughters and siblings were common in Egypt. Wow. Well,
0: look at yeah. well, well here I can prove that just because of <laughs> Cleopatra. Cleopatra married her younger brother. Did you know that? In Egypt, yeah. She married yeah. her young Well, that was the norm and so she married her younger brother and then uh, of course, there was a lot of issues whenever Julius Caesar comes into town, yeah. right? And then they—they, they, of course, it was a power dynamic. They were trying to get the male to be over the woman because she yeah. was very smart and wise, and had studied in the in Alexandria and everything. And so I see that uh, even in that family, I forget the name—the Ptolemies—I think it was, yeah, uh, yeah. And so it was Ptolemy the fourth that she married initially.
1: Well, and keep in mind too, like they were Greek; mm-hmm. they weren't Egyptian. So, because that's going right, that to come up what, the when ruling we talk class about of Egypt, yeah, the the Ptolemaic um, era.
0: The, the, yep, that's right.
1: So, it's important to keep that in mind too, because when we start talking about Greek uh-huh. and that culture and how widespread that influence of that culture was,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right? And so this
0: <laughs> is so by me bringing up Cleopatra, I just fast forwarded like a thousand years. So we need to go back <laughs> into the Hebrew world. Where but we were. keep
1: in mind. That these practices control. were so embedded in what the ruling class was able to do and what they were doing that mm-hmm. 400 years later, it, they're still doing it. Right. And that's important. Like yeah, it is. They were still, like, people in power were still doing that. People in power were doing that now. Look in the look at the, the courts in England. They're always off marrying their first cousins and stuff. Yeah. It's about power. It's about concentrating power. And it's about access and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because sure. if you marry your sister, no one else, no no other man who's not family can marry her and then challenge you for the throne.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, sure.
1: So, it's women are treated like pawns. Mm-hmm. And fathers marrying their daughters, there are certain things that I refuse to chalk up to. Well, that's just how they did things.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: There are some things that I'm willing to chalk up to that. There are certain things that research shows us are inherently devastating to children. Right. And incest is top of that motherfucking list. Yeah. So God's like, mm, you all have seen certain relationships and you've seen certain behaviors for four hundred years. So, it's possible that you, now that you're wandering around in the desert trying to figure out how to be in relationship to each other, how to have a society and how to worship me, it's possible that you might think some of these things are chill. And I'm here to tell you, they are not mm-hmm. They are not chill, right. That is what's going on here. So it's not just about only men are the problem. It's about pointing out these specific power dynamics in these specific relationships that Israel was watching Egypt do. Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to correct myself it was yeah. uh, Ptolemy the 14th not the 4th. My, oh, my bad. Sorry That's about okay.
1: That. Well, you know.
0: I just want to correct myself for those people that I don't that know say anything about wrong. the
1: Ptolemaic kingdom. Yeah. I don't. And so I mean, yeah, it's, it's that's a that's a chunk of history that I really
2: The, the, the Ptolemy The Ptolemies Ptolemaic Ptolemaic? Yeah, I know. It's my my joke
0: about. You also you don't like,
1: know anything yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andy is also in the dark ages over there.
0: But yeah. Andy, just from your perspective listening to all this stuff doesn't it tell you don't you learn so much like if you don't understand the culture and we just read it in our modern English Bible and they don't spell some of these things out for you, you're going oh, to miss yeah. the absolute meaning of what's going on here. I would never. We've discovered yeah. that. Even in our talk with Damn Fro- uh, Frost. Whoops.
3: I was trying to say, I
0: was trying to say, doctor. Shaking. Dr. Sam Frost when yeah. he was here. You know, he, we kept going back to the languages, the languages, the culture, yeah. the languages. If you don't understand it. So you think about hundreds of years or a couple hundred years in American society, only reading the King James Bible and only understanding the English language, how you develop yeah, some of the doctrines that you do. You miss yeah. a lot of context. Yeah. And so uh, what you're doing here is amazing. I'm so glad you're doing yeah.
1: it. Yeah. Well, so that's important. So like, again, looking back to the structure, the Holiness Code is 17 through 27. That's the chapters, okay? We've laid this all out. Leviticus 18, one through six. Let's Let's read that. Let's read it.
0: Let's do it. Let's read the let's, actual Let's do just that.
1: <laughs> the actual text. Yeah, I love it. I love getting I love getting into the actual, like you have to read the actual thing. So, cause 18 is where the the dudes don't lie with dudes. So let's read. Okay. Leviticus 18. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I am bringing you. You shall not follow their statutes. My ordinances you shall observe, and my statutes you shall keep following them. I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and my ordinances. By doing so, one shall live. I am the Lord. So, none of you shall approach anyone near kin to uncover nakedness that is when the sexual prohibitions start. The list of 13 relationships, it's the most extensive list we see in any ancient text. Hmm. There are, you know, we do have some other Mesopotamian and Hittite laws Um and we don't have any Canaanite documents, unfortunately. Hmm, because that's any, where they
0: were going. It would have been nice to have had those. It would have been
1: nice to have some. We don't have But you're probably going to
0: learn what they were because of what he's telling them not to do.
1: But that's exactly the point. Right. So he's saying, okay, don't you like to do in Egypt? And don't you like to do in Canaan? Don't marry your sisters. Don't marry your brothers. It's not because Israel was doing these things. It's because the people that had enslaved them were. That's right. And the land where they were going were doing yep. those things.
0: So now you know what yeah. both of those yeah. yeah, and I want to
1: just—I want to just like take a detour and have a little quick chat because, like, when I oftentimes as a woman, when I read these texts and I see the way that God's going out of His way to protect women, I'm just like, that is so friggin' unusual in the history of all religious texts.
3: Mm-hmm. That,
1: that for me as a woman who lives in this body, that in that period of time would have been completely vulnerable. This is one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm.
3: Sure.
1: I love that God. That God sounds like an awesome dude. Right. You know? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. I'm into probably. that. Yeah. yeah, and so like. Primary emotions are the emotions we often feel first. This is a psychological look, right? Mm -hmm. So you feel things like fear, joy, disgust, surprise, contempt. Secondary emotions are socially learned and they're unique to humans in the animal kingdom and are differently expressed based on our social experience. And they arise when we experience a primary emotion and then express it based on our social experience. So if you live in an individualistic culture like America and you experience and you have a feeling of joy, you may then culturally express it as pride.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. right Yep.
1: I can see that. What God is doing is correcting Israel's secondary emotional response. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there sure. are deep primary responses that every human being has. They are culturally expressed based on your learned
2: like behaviors. Like fear of clowns.
1: Sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Fear is a natural response, but like— <laughs> I'm trying to make it work for you is what I'm doing. Yeah, like You're making a joke, beautiful. but I'm trying to make it work. I don't but, like, think it's that big a stretch. It's, it's, Sorry, no, ignore me and move but, on. <laughs> but, but secondary emotions are socially learned. So secondary emotions. So like you might feel, um, so a secondary emotion, um, you know, you might feel sexual arousal. That's a uh, normal, but like maybe like you might experience, if you live in a prudish, prudish culture, you might then experience disgust. Yeah. Disgust is a secondary emotion. It's culturally learned. Mm-hmm. Um. On the flip side, you might experience sexual arousal and then not experience disgust where you should. Yep. That's also what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You have these secondary emotions, they're cultural. That's what God's working out here in Leviticus when it comes to this like long list of who you do and don't. Like, bang.
2: I love this breakdown of that. Especially, like, (laughs) as little as I've read of the Bible, too, but the the breakdown of, like, this is what's happening, just the general, this is what this section is about. This is what this section is about. And then, you know, the the deeper context of, well, this is because of their life in Egypt, you know, and all that. And this is, like, this is why
1: I'm such a friggin' dork, because I know everybody, like, no one wakes up and goes— I'm gonna read Leviticus. Yeah, literally no. Not one. many.
0: Not and, many. And
1: I do that because yeah. I'm a dork.
0: I'm a like, dork. I, but
1: I like this part. This is the part that I like. <sighs> that is the point of the holiness code: is to unlearn 400 years of secondary emotional responses to deep primary emotions. Mm-hmm. That's the whole goal. Because also remember, Israel was in slavery. They were the dregs. They were treated however Egypt wanted to treat them.
0: Andy, it goes back to what, you remember how I've always said, it's God operating within the good and evil construct that man had made for himself? Yeah. Yeah. So those primary emotions, those things that we have, the effect that came from the fall, now God is teaching us how to respond, kind of like the way, this is going to be an awful way of saying it, but... Freud with the id, ego, and super yeah. ego. When you break down, you your id is the primary, the primal deep yeah. down. And yeah. so then you have your ego, which begins to the secondary emotion, how you respond to that little war that's going on inside your mind before the superego actually does whatever it might do. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. That's what's what what so saying? interesting about babies. Yeah, Because babies are Mm cross-cultural because they haven't learned any of that stuff yet. Babies respond, babies, infants below the age of like one, they all respond exactly the same to exactly the same stuff. And that's where you can find the baseline of who we all are before we've culturally learned how to express ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so that's exactly right. So all these prohibitions, you don't make a law against something that people aren't already doing. Mm
3: -hmm. You don't.
1: Yeah. Laws exist to make illegal things people are doing. Like for example, did you know that in Wisconsin it's illegal to serve a butter substitute?
3: Hmm.
2: <laughs> are you kidding? No. Did I you love know blue laws? <laughs>
1: yeah. No no blah, 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 blah. that's not a blue law. So and I'll tell you why. Um, because also it's illegal to steal kitchen grease in North Carolina. <laughs>
0: It's also 2013.
1: illegal. It is illegal. Oh, yeah.
0: People it's would illegal take in it, Arizona yeah. today to wash a donkey in a bathtub. That's a Burroughs reference. Nice. And it's true. It is all true. That's so. But random. the thing is,
1: while you might find opportunity to like yuck yuck about this stuff, mm-hmm. when you stop and look at why Wisconsin yeah, that, it's put a that response. book. Wisconsin Absolutely. put that put on the books in 1895 because Wisconsin was trying to protect. It's dairy industry. Mm-hmm. That's why it outlawed margarine. Sure. In 2013, restaurant owners went to legislators in North Carolina. Yellow grease is considered a commodity and it can be resold to help offset the cost of running a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so kitchen helpers were siphoning off the grease and stealing it and selling it. Mm-hmm. They were making a profit. So it was it was in response to a thing that was happening. Yes. Huh. So that yeah. is what we're talking about. God's not making these laws out of nowhere. God's making these laws in response specifically to cultural practices in Egypt and in Canaan.
0: Yes, specifically because it says it specifically. Because it specifically says Leviticus. it.
1: Right, so let's not skip the hard stuff. Let's get right into- Were you about to say Lex- something, Andy? This- oh, yeah.
2: I was just going to say, I'm with Wisconsin. That could go nationwide.
0: <laughs> I'm with Arizona. <laughs> I don't want anybody washing their donkey up in my bathtub. I'm you sick
1: know of it. I'm sick of it.
2: Yeah, you know what? You and me, we'll have to fight about that. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only place I'm ever gonna wash. Andy don't.
1: always needs to wash his ass in the bath.
2: <laughs> ah, that was one. good.
3: <laughs> <sighs>
2: yeah, I love yeah there you go. Uh,
1: all right, so let's not skip the hard part. Let's leave. So, so that's what starts Leviticus. Don't do like they do in Egypt. Don't do like they do in Canaan. Then a list of don't sleep with these people, right? You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, your father's daughter, or your mother's daughter. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. That is, that is, you shall not approach his wife. She is his aunt, you know, the nakedness of your father's brother's wife. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is menstruating. You shall not have sexual relations with a kinsman's wife, right? Dudes, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Yeah. Because Egypt does these things and it disenfranchises women who have no power. Very good. Now, this is also really interesting. You shall not have sexual relations with your kinsman's wife and defile yourself with her. Then out of nowhere, 1821, you shall not give any of your offspring to sacrifice them to Moloch and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord, and you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. You shall not have sexual relations with any animal and defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman give herself to an animal to have sexual relations with it. It is a perversion.
0: So immediately, he takes you to the god Moloch and the practices. So whoever is worshiping this god are doing those very things. And one of the things I do know about Moloch is that they took infant children and they burned them alive. To History Moloch. is Did you know crazy. That.
2: that is so
1: triggering. So,
0: I'm so sorry. No, no.
1: I mean, it's like— I'm, I'm, I'm so a, sorry. I'm, I'm I should have warned you. No, no, it's okay. Totally fine. I'm six months pletpartum, and I have an infant, so my baby is what they would be doing that to. And yeah. that
0: was in honor of their God. So, yeah. as soon as he shifts gears into Moloch, which I've never noticed—I'm so glad you read that—now Yeah. Now I'm starting to think, oh, my gosh, these people were doing these things to the worship of another God.
1: It makes me wanna cry. It just makes me wanna cry. Yeah. Because like, because here comes this God who's like, oh my, stop doing that.
0: That's yeah, it. That's, stop. Wow. There's a doing place in the that. Bible where he says it never even came to my mind. This is God Almighty saying that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I never even would have occurred to me to ask you to do something like that. never. Except for Abraham, which is a whole other thing to unpack.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be doing this. I find it
1: fascinating that Abraham, like never talked to Isaac after that. Like they never, you never see them in the same story after that. I'm like, ooh, ooh, Isaac. Do you think it was
0: because of Abraham or do you think it was because of Isaac? Oh, I I
1: think Isaac was like, like, you are nuts. I'm out. What is that? What happened
0: Abraham was going to sacrifice his own son. Remember Isaac? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, suddenly, Isaac just doesn't want to talk to his dad anymore. But you got to
1: think about it. But you got to think about it. Right. That's what other nations were doing. This is the beginning. That story of Abraham and Isaac, it's the beginning of God saying, okay, do this. I'm going to see if you're willing to do this thing that you're watching your neighbors do to please their God. And then right when you're about to do it, that's the moment where I'm like, but now listen carefully. I don't ever want you to do that. Mm -hmm. But once Abraham was willing to show this God that Abraham was willing to worship this God to the extent and extreme, because let me tell you something right now. We talk about child sacrifice. There is not a single mother that didn't watch that happen and weep and wail. Mm-hmm. It's not like they wanted to do this and this was great because, like, they Unless used to they bury were children. Mentally Ill. They used to bury children at the quarters of like Aztec temples and stuff. Like, we find lots of child sacrifice in lots of different cultures. Right? It's a thing because because what you're asking to offer, ugh, oh, is the thing that's most precious yeah. to you. And so these people are offering their gods the thing that is the most precious, right? The point
2: of the choice of the sacrifice is the most is what the most
1: painful. What's going to suck?
2: That's why it's chosen because it's hurting somebody so badly. So before we jump to
1: conclusions about like the nature of these people that are doing this thing, right? Like keep in mind, like these are a nobody knew. They were mm-hmm. desperate to try and figure out how to curry the favor of their quote unquote gods because everybody, including the Israelites, was just living at the whim of like nature, yeah. like they had no control over floods. They had no control over, you know, locusts. They had no control over their their crops. Mm-hmm. And these did these people didn't have greenhouses and like hydroponic services. They didn't have, like, you know, skippy peanut butter that has a shelf life of forty thousand years. You know, so when you have a bad crop, you can just go eat something. They didn't have that. They were desperate at all times.
0: Something you just said, I'm going to agree with what you said earlier about why you love our God, because He doesn't do that. Yeah. And so He took Abraham where He did. But with those same emotions that you were just showing me about how you felt about your child, do you think that the God felt the same way about His son?
1: Oh, stop it. Do you? Yeah.
0: I mean, honestly— Sometimes when we say, you know, Jesus Christ was sacrificed for our sins, we say it so nonchalant, but how yeah. do you think God felt about the loss of the son? I can't son watch the that-
1: Easter. I can't watch anything Easter without bawling. My husband was not saved when we first started dating, and his favorite, um, his favorite musical is Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, You never seen Jesus Christ Superstar? And I'm like, No. So he's like, but it's about your dude. It's like your your guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Yeah. Dylan was so cute. We started dating. He used, he was twenty three. He bought me a paint by numbers Jesus he found at the thrift store, and he's That's like, "Hey, funny. I found your guy at the store. That's your guy." Funny. He used to call him my guy all the time. It was really cute, <laughs> and so and so um so he he because I was thirty six when we started dating. So yeah. I I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, called. You're cute. so cute. You're yeah, so, <laughs> I don't want to talk about the age difference. It makes me angry. I'm eleven years difference with my wife. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Because people get all weird about it, and like they respond to me like I'm some kind of predator because that's what a cougar is, a predator. I don't like it. Anyway, he he's gross. But anyway. He back, was a
0: grown man. He was a he's grown a man. was a grown man. 23.
1: Yeah. He's probably thinking, grown-ish. nailed it. Yep.
0: <laughs> he is he literally, literally was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a picture of your guy, paint by numbers. It was
1: so cute. That's he was like, so "Here's funny. your guy." So yeah. we watched Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a musical. People, it's it's a musical. Yeah, I am sobbing, oh, just right. bawling. Oh yeah, I can't watch anything about the resurrection. I can't watch anything about the crucifixion. I can't watch anything about like you know, you know, the road to to Golgotha. Don't
0: watch uh, the Passion of the Christ. No.
1: Oh, I've seen it. I sobbed and sobbed the yeah, whole I time. Too. I, I cried the whole time. Which I, you know, I also appreciate the anti-Semitic. Um, overtones and like the, the the absolute glorification of his suffering in this kind of like theatrical way that was a little I appreciate the,
0: hmm. the are you criticisms. being sarcastic
1: no oh. no what I'm saying is I, I can understand the criticisms oh I see that oh, were leveled against the it. film yeah, 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 yeah. you know it was gratuitous for no reason yeah. it was this that, the, I can actually I totally get that Yeah. I totally get that also um, hostile yeah Whatever. Like, we are gross as a people. And sometimes we have to be, like, brought to the edges of what we're comfortable with in order to confront ourselves.
0: Yeah. Are you talking about the movie Hostel? Yeah.
1: People watch that movie casually. People watch House of a Thousand Corpses casually. They're like, oh, that movie's like, that's it's just a joke. Like, so why that's okay, but The Passion of Christ is not. I don't—I mean, I— I think you're right. It was yeah. gratuitous and like ridiculous and like overblown and all that stuff. I get it, what right?
2: What is, oh, hostile. Hostile the
0: movie. Okay, that, okay. Yeah, we're yeah, gross.
1: Brain was, yeah. Our I, movies are gross. We do gratuitous, <laughs> nasty shit all the, the time. The way that
0: you described that. I so
1: much, I'm sorry. No, it's
0: fine. John Mulaney, <laughs> you know who that is, <laughs> yeah. the comedian? Oh, yeah. yeah, He was talking about how uh, Bill Mayer in Religious and all the time on his show is always yeah. like cracking down on people for believing in Jesus. And John Mulaney, of course, he's very liberal and he's a funny. Comedian, but he just comes out and he's like, "Because my mom believes in him, so shut up, you a hole." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> liberal to liberal, he's like, "I because my mom believes in it, so shut your mouth." You yeah. know. So yeah. I, I was just thinking, like, what you were just saying just a second ago, like it's generational, you know. But anyway,
1: so yeah, well, so anyway, so we sidetracked as usual. I hope the audience, I hope y'all are following along I, and taking notes. I'm
3: sure they're. Fine. We get a lot so, of five so stars when we, on So when we stuff, read
1: so this, so we so. Exodus, so Leviticus 18, 21, talking about Moloch, and then follows that exact verse with, and you shall not lie with a man as a woman. It is an abomination. It is a Mm tovea. It is culturally not what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. So that suggests now two things. Number one, that verse is not followed with, and women shall not lie with women as women lie with men. Mm -hmm. So it's not the homosexual. Sounds like it's describing
0: a worship type thing. Yeah. Right?
1: So, and also it says, so is cool,
0: hmm. that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't say anything it, about it. It doesn't
1: say anything about that. It doesn't say anything about loving, inner, inner, you know, personal, consensual relationship. And again, it's the absence of the same prohibition for women that leads me to believe, just like the previous 13 relations described, it's not about... What he doesn't want people to do, it's a commentary on these specific practices that were being exercised in Canaan and in Egypt. So, just for shits, let's go to prostitution in Wikipedia. Mm. Okay. The History of Prostitution, Wikipedia. The ancient Near East was home to many shrines, temples, or houses of heaven, which were dedicated to various deities. These shrines and temples were documented by the Greek historian Herodotus Herodotus in the histories where sacred prostitution was a common practice. Sumerian records dating back to circa 24,000 BCE are the earliest recorded mention of prostitution as an occupation. Did you say 24,000? 2,400, sorry. Sorry.
0: Okay, yeah, I was like, holy crap. Sorry, yeah, you like know what? I get my right. Yeah. I get my
1: right and my left mixed up all the time, too. <laughs> I I there was not an extra zero. Twenty-four, two thousand four hundred BCE. Yeah. So approximately a thousand years prior, prior to this. this law that we're writing. Yeah, the right? Sumerians,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the
1: earliest. We just discussed how what was going on in Cleopatra was five, six hundred years after. This time period, and they were still doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's around the around it's, the turn of the century. Yeah, so or that, yeah, that time. And, so,
1: yeah. dating back to 2400 BCE, are the earliest Millennium. recorded mention of prostitution as an occupation. These describe a temple brothel operated by Sumerian priests in the city of Uruk. This kākūm or temple, was dedicated to the goddess Ishtar and was home to three classes of women. The first class of women was only permitted to perform sexual rituals in the temple. The second class had access to the grounds and catered to the visitors, and the third to the lowest classes living on the temple grounds. The third was also free to find customers on the street. In the region of Canaan, where the Lord was about to take them, a significant portion of temple prostitutes were male. Male prostitution was also widely practiced in Sardinia and in some of the Phoenician cultures, usually in honor of the goddess Ishtar. Presumably under the influence of the Phoenicians, this practice was developed in other ports of the Mediterranean Sea. This is what Leviticus eighteen twenty two is talking about, and it is why it is preceded by the prohibition against child sacrifice as a form of worship, and why God explains these practices are what is leading to the inhabitants of those lands being expelled in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's why Torah is the only place we see what is ethical and what is holy in the same place. And it is why God gets so angry when his people break his covenants. This is again, not about the loving, committed relationship between two people. If it was, then 1823 would say, and women should not lie with women as women lie with men. It does not. What God is talking about is a form of idolatry, the rites and rituals practiced as these people worshiped their gods. That is what the Israelites are not to engage in while they are worshiping Hashem. Mm -hmm. That's the point. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. Rick, can we can we go back to Exodus? Sure. And can we please read Exodus thirty two, one through six? Sure. Because we brought this up in a previous episode. Sure. And so you want me to read it? I want you to read it because you brought this up at our last at our last episode.
0: I did. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, when we did the little the little chit chatty episode with me and you and uh, Big Daddy Carter.
0: Oh, okay. Exodus chapter 32, verses what? One through six. All right. You ready? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do I need to read it in a specific version? I'm in in ASB.
1: If you could read it in like a fake Italian accent. Okay. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Now, when are the people? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now when... Oh, okay. I remember this now. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled around Aaron and said to him... Come, make us a God who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what happened to him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings from which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then he took the gold from their hands and fashioned it with an engraving tool and made it into a cast metal calf. And they said, This is your God. Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they got up early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and got up to engage. And lewd behavior.
1: Verse six, according to my study Bible and based on other several interpretations, is a deeply sexual overtone. Mm. Lewdness is some deeply sexual overtones. They were worshiping their God with sex. And Hashem is pissed. Yes. Moses comes down and God is like, like, go get your boy. (laughs) God's up on the Moses mount. He's like, I'm going to go off. Go yeah. down and get your boy. And that's when Moses goes down because God's like, they're 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 doing, it. They're,
0: they're doing <laughs> they're what doing. I've told. They're doing the thing
1: yeah. he hadn't told him yet. He hadn't told him yet. But that's the idea. So we're talking- so he's talking this through
0: Moses prior to even- Yeah, 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 he's yeah, yeah, Moses, yeah. He's talking to Moses.
1: He's talking to Moses. They're down there engaging in these sexual rites of sexual worship as if God is some kind of voyeur and that's how you worship God is by doing Isn't it in front of him. Isn't funny we
0: almost act like we wouldn't be like the Egyptians would be, but we so would be? Well, well of course we would be. I mean, modern
2: cults If that's exhibit, your
1: culture, yeah, yeah.
0: then modern
2: you do what your culture tells thing. you yeah, to do. Yeah,
0: like this guy brought us out. Here we are. He's gone. We haven't seen him for days. What's going on? We got, Let's get back to what we know. We're
1: going to get back to what we know.
0: And we're going to be calling on the God that we used to call on before Our lives were okay back then. Yeah.
2: yeah, It's just familiarity.
0: It wasn't so bad. So many times we look at them like they were so dumb, but really they were just doing what they knew. They
1: were doing what was familiar. That's the whole point of Leviticus. The whole point is erasing 400 years of secondary emotional response learned culturally. Mm
3: -hmm. That is what
1: tovea is. That is what it is an abomination. That is what God is saying in Leviticus 18.22. A man lies with a man as a man lies with a woman. He's talking about... Um, worshiping by sleeping with temple prostitutes. In Deuteronomy, God also has to specifically tell them, nobody give your daughter as a temple prostitute and don't give your son as a temple prostitute. The word is Kadesh, Kadesha, we talked about that.
3: Yeah.
1: God, right. In Deuteronomy, God specifically says, don't give your children as temple prostitutes. And he has to specify both your daughter and your son.
2: Mm. This
1: was, you know?
2: So yeah, therefore.
1: That's what they're talking about. That's yeah. what God's talking about. And the reason God has to throw that in there in Leviticus, which happened when the second month of the— the first month of the second year in chapter 40, that is when the temple is built. This happens in chapter 32. Yeah. So immediately following them engaging in lewd behavior with each other, which probably include men sleeping with men as a form to worshiping worshiping Ishtar, which we just—Wikipedia told us is what they did. right. God's like, Ugh! So now I have to tell you not to do that. Yeah, He wasn't telling them not to be in loving, consensual, loving relationships with men. He mm-hmm. was telling them, don't engage in this form of worship that includes having sex with men as a way to worship me. Because that also is not, that's not loving. It's yeah. using one another's bodies. Mm-hmm as a sacrifice in a way that God's like, "Mm, I hear a mm."
0: slogan developing. Yeah. Like, what happens in Egypt stays in Egypt. (laughs) There you go. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Apparently, what happens in Egypt didn't stay in Egypt, and that's the whole problem. But it's supposed to. Yeah. So that's (laughs) that's it. That's my whole thing. And you know, Leviticus 2013 has the identical language, including prefacing, don't put your children in the fire and don't have sex with men as men have sex with them. This is an abomination. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same language because it's the exact same thing. Chapter 20 is just like a quick recap, yeah, it's got like it's it's like a shortened version of chapter eighteen. Uh-huh. It's like a recap of all the things I already just said. And so again, we can do this whole podcast again for chapter twenty, but I don't think we need to.
0: No, and I think no, I think you nailed it. And something that I've I've been begging for, and I don't know that it could ever happen, is that when we trans when the scriptures were translated, you know, we talked about those with Doctor Frost about how specific cultural things that should have been included in the language. They couldn't because they were doing a word-for-word translation instead of knowing what was going on in the time so that we could actually understand what's being stated. Because it can you imagine how it would change our culture if yeah. we actually all knew a lot of this? Like,
2: Well, word-for-word word is difficult. Otherwise, I think they'd do it. But, yeah. Yeah, word-for-word, word, I think, becomes quite tricky.
0: It does, but I, I feel words, like they're missing it. Like, some
2: words illustrate concepts mm-hmm. that don't, parse nicely yeah. uh, in In a small, in definitely not one, but even in a small amount of, you know, words. Some, some cultures have words, single words that are concepts that in English, and I'm sure it's true the other way too, that in English, literally you, like, require a paragraph because, to get the fullness of the concept of that one word across. I just mm-hmm. think it's hard. Yeah.
1: Well, and I was reading somebody talking about the other day, um, they're studying like a, a an indigenous language in Mexico. Uh, it's like the the Atewi people or something. Mm-hmm. And their word for brother is um, a verb, he brothers me. And their word for... Uh, we are brothers is um, reflexive we brother each other and the word for brother is a homonym for the verb to walk and so the word for brother in this language is literally we walk together or he walks with me Mm, wow What you're talking about, too, when you talk about language is cultural understandings that you cannot just translate word for word. That's
0: what I mean. I wish that we could have a Bible that had the cultural translation built within it.
1: It's impossible. It's too big.
2: Because, yeah, because what you require there is also a small— But that's why we do this. And that is why we do this, and and I love it. It gives us purpose to do
0: that. You're exactly right.
2: Yeah, because it would take a divergence into a history lesson, even to— literally to do the best job, you know? You
0: just, I see all the pain and I see all the stuff that people go through in life. You know, I i see like the yeah. doctrine of hell and the way that it is used, and how that word was inserted into the text, yeah. and ha- instead of it being Gehenna or Hades or whatever it might be, and how entire theological systems are built upon it, and how people flee in terror, or they don't go to church because they don't want to hear about their family who have already passed on, burning alive forever. Yeah. They don't want to hear that, and I and I get it. Like mm-hmm. I totally get it, and so. You think to yourself, there's 63 times that this word is used in the Bible, and it is incorrectly translated every Every single single time. time. Every time. That's
1: why I'm clear about the fact that pornography is not in the Bible. There is not a single verse about watching porn. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You have to figure out how to take the message, the general overall message of how to live your life properly mm-hmm. and transpose it into our modern culture. We have to extrapolate because mm-hmm. it's not there. The word homosexual does not exist in the Bible. Right. It's not, it doesn't exist. So we, it, we just as much as we cannot say the Bible tells us not to look at porn, the Bible doesn't actually right. mm-hmm. tell you not to look at porn. The Bible also never tells you not to be gay. Never yeah. once. What it specifically says is, don't when you look at a woman and you have sex with her in your mind you've already committed adultery we can extrapolate from those kinds of verses it's probably not good to objectify each other through pornography mm-hmm. so we can extrapolate that we can extrapolate from this verse that it is absolutely unacceptable to go have sex with someone who you are not in a relationship with and who you don't love in a in a in church in order to worship god yeah we can absolutely extrapolate that mm-hmm. we cannot extrapolate that any and all consensual homosexual relationships based on this verse are an abomination we we cannot extrapolate that we can't i'm sorry is,
0: is would you consider lust a, a primary or secondary emotion i
1: think sexual re, re, i think sexual arousal is a is a primary, primary because yeah. every being experiences sexual arousal but i don't i think i think that um i think you you would have to Critical of the word lust.
0: Well, the reason I ask that is because in relation to what you just said about Jesus, like if you look at a woman and you have lust for her in the heart, you, you've already committed adultery. And you know, we know God's dealing with the secondary emotions, and yeah. but in that in, in that instance, I think Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter, which is you are
1: reducing you, that being to a sexual object for the sake of your just of your pleasure. pleasure yeah yeah
0: exactly and yeah. because you've done it mentally yeah. you're just as guilty as if you had done the act
1: yeah um just for my own sake there was a period there was one time in my life during ugh, when I was a young christian i was like in high school and there was a situation where um a, a same age person of mine um, experienced in their church a certain sort of conviction for a certain behavior. And they felt the need to come to me and apologize for their mental life.
0: Oh no. Telling you regarding
1: what they me. Um tears, oh, tears in his eyes, sobbing that, you Banks. know, basically like I'd been I'd been admitted to the spank bank.
0: Oh no.
1: And <laughs> oh, I cannot Christ. describe to you how deep <laughs> Disgusting that made me just feel mortified. Now, now yeah. this man, this he was same age, right? So it wasn't like an adult, right? It was a it was a teenager. I need you who to understand that I laughed
0: because you said spank bank, not because I of know. what it is. Okay. Well, and the
1: thing is, I want to, first of all, I want to acknowledge this man's heart. Yeah. Because he was he was experiencing a deep conviction. He was experiencing the guilt and the shame of having taken a human being. And reduced them to a sexual object. you, yeah. And as a female, we talk a lot about the objectification of women because when we don't like that, right. <laughs> women don't often enjoy that. You know, as Eliza Schlesinger says, unless you're cute, then it's fine. Like,
3: <laughs> right? Like she talks
1: about like getting catcalled. She says it's like being shot with a penis gun. You're like, ew, right? <laughs> the point is, we often recognize that as a uniquely female experience because women tend to be the object of these like you know this lustful gaze in this way that that removes from a woman her agency and her identity as a person i listened to a really interesting this american life episode one time about a trans man who describes what it was like going through puberty and accessing um sexuality as a woman and then what it was like for him when he started taking testosterone and how he accessed sex and sexuality as a man now, when you are on tea, generally you are given like a Herculean dose of tea because you're you're meant the amount you would have gotten normally in puberty is like doubled because yeah. you have to undo puberty of estrogen of an estrogen based puberty and then redo a puberty based on testosterone. So it's a really interesting perspective that this this human being offered. And he was like, when I was a woman, I'd be on the subway and I'd be attracted to a woman. And, like, the thought process always involved, like, approaching her with, like, you know, what book are you reading? And, like, maybe we'd go to dinner and have a glass of wine. Like, there was always this— who is this person that I'm interested in? Yeah. And then when he started getting shots of testosterone, he said it was just like straight por- pornography. Like, it was just like, all it was all he would need would be like an, a, an ankle showing. And it was just like, I want to sex with I'm it. going to plant my yeah. seed in yeah. you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. And
1: he said the difference was absolutely astronomical. And so like, I'm not here to like gender lines it and say only men objectify women and like that's where, it, it's just that because the nature of the hormones testosterone and estrogen are fundamentally different. I'm. That's just one of the areas of um, point of contention that I tend to have with people that are trying to um, trying to advocate for the gender spectrum. Because I, I definitely am an advocate. Gender is a spectrum. But like. Mm-hmm. Estrogen and testosterone are fundamentally different hormones, and when a body has a preponderance sure. of one versus a preponderance of the other, they behave differently, especially in puberty. Yeah,
3: sure. So, Absolutely.
1: so, so it just tends to be that this law is a is you know directed towards that, and and as the embodiment of the type of person, like I have ex boyfriends that like whenever I'm around them, I'm like. Yeah. Cuz like I know you've seen it now and I know you think about it and I not all ex boyfriends, some ex boyfriends are super chill. But there are but the ones that I know don't have a problem objectifying women, the ones that did it when I was dating them. Now, I don't even like being around them and I'm like I'm I'm, I'm angry that I ever gave somebody access to my yeah. body mm-hmm. knowing that now this person, even though I've told them like I really don't want you to think about me, knowing that this person would willfully Think about me in a sexual fashion for the sake of his own sexual gratification, even though I've expressly asked him, like told him, that's gross, don't do that uh, to
0: me. And the, yeah, that and is where just, yeah. dudes in My a agency locker room, is removed. dudes yeah. in a locker room will high five each other because they've tapped that.
1: Right, right, right. right.
0: So it's like, there's the totally different thing between the male and the female in this regard. Yeah. I totally see that. And that's the unfortunate reality of it. It's It's not all men. men. It's not not all men, men, but
1: when your body has a preponderance of testosterone testosterone versus a preponderance of estrogen, you have a different level of challenge that's not necessarily your fault, you know? It just is. And so this is why, like, but women can't help men. Men have to help men, really, with this stuff, you know? like
2: To be clear, we're making a specific... Specific example of this one factor. That's right. Yeah. It's not the only factor.
0: It's yeah. definitely not but the only just factor. Saying and that I out didn't, loud. Yeah. And I was saying it just in regard to what you were saying. Yeah. Because I know like I've I've had friends in the past that made me very uncomfortable.
3: Yeah. Because
0: they would say things like that about women. And I don't objectify women, and that's just because I don't know why. I was just I don't. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. It's just not my makeup, you know. Yeah. But whenever I was around people that would act that way, I was always like
1: It's gross.
0: Yeah. It's like yeah, it's I was very uncomfortable with it, you know. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, folks, that brings our study uh, on Exodus. Uh, or Leviticus. Or, excuse me. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have an excuse. Uh, Leviticus 18.22. That brings us uh, our study on Leviticus 18.22 and Exodus 20.13 to a close. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. Please email us with your thoughts, feelings, and emotions.
0: Info at yeah. or you can go to our Burroughs Facebook page where we put out a— uh, funny pictures of donkeys every day and talk about it. And yeah. then- uh,
2: I'm going to give Rick pictures of my cat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put that on Patreon. Yeah. yeah. Give yeah. us
1: your thoughts and your feedback and let us know how you feel. And we will see you all next time where we will continue this discussion on Burrows of Berea Notes from the Underground.
0: Peace out. Ooh. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.
1: I got a new website, though. You do. It looks real slick. Nice. Yeah, and I, it, I've got, like, testimonials Are you talking from about companies for your that blog? I worked with and stuff. Yeah, like, well, I oh, no. to the blog. I to okay. the blog. I still have it, but I took away the monetary. T- I took away the um, the Wix, like, you know, de- domain hosting and all that other stuff, and I gave it—I I have a new website, subverseconsulting.com.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: It's really nice. Yeah, it looks really good, too. I'm really happy with how it came out. So, yeah, By the way, I'm much. digging
0: your Sasquatch shirt. I, d- I totally dig it.
1: Do you know who that is? Yeah, he's, no. single, he's, he's a local guy. Yeah, he's a local guy. Dean. Like I didn't even Sasquatch. know it was a thing.
0: I just like the image no, of the Sasquatch no. so, with the so,
1: so do you know who who's the Marcus – oh, this will be a fun plug uh, in the post, post-podcast post jibber-jabber. Yeah, Marcus Um. Thing. Yeah, the yeah. Marcus King Band used to have a saxophone player named Dean Mitchell. And Dean – started an instagram and a tick i don't know if it was a tiktok too he like start instagram where he would take this giant like sasquatch costume with him when they were on tour out into the woods and he would take a few minutes and like go out into the woods and like put on his saxophone or put on his sasquatch outfit and play saxophone so he came the sasquatch well it ended up being like all these followers and people got like super into it so he ended up being able to like leave the marcus king band yeah because because his his Sasquatch side gig was such an important, and now and, he can just and go road on tour. touring.
2: In road touring yeah. is nightmare, <laughs> so he he just decided he didn't want to do it as much.
1: Do you know Dean? No, I went to school with Dean. Oh no kidding! So Dean's my buddy. Dean gave us me and Dylan. He has oh, these no shirts. Kidding. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's Dean awesome. gave us these shirts. I just cut his hair for you for years because we went to we were in college together, and so I'm like, do you know Dean? Because it was touring mm-hmm. was a nightmare. It's really hard, and he has a kid now. He's got a beautiful little boy. And so, who's just a little bit younger than Aurora. And so, I think that he wanted, you know, some more flexibility and stuff. But it's like, it turns out that touring with the Sasquatch, because he writes all the music himself. Yeah. You know, and I think he he was in a video game. He's been on Jimmy Fallon. Like, go Google it. Google it, everyone. Sasquatch. Watch. Yeah. yeah and so he gave us sex. this. this yeah. is like the uh, one of the original shirts that he gave me
0: that is That's so, so cool i, I know like you it do, yeah. I, I mean it's like yeah. he's walking through the woods he's and it, it's just a silhouette of the sasquatch with a sax yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's fantastic like yeah. he he does really well, cool he's, stuff
0: obviously he's a very good sax player incredible. as well. It's, yeah
2: he's a really good sex like i guess you know deal. he toured with marcus king but but yeah but running into the woods with a costume doesn't make you a good sax player. <laughs> it could have been comedy, just yeah, that's, you know what I mean. That
1: actually sounds <laughs> that that would be
0: something that would go viral on TikTok, to yeah. be honest with you.
1: And I can't remember, it's like I'm sitting here trying to like sort through the timeline of my relationship with Dean, and I don't remember when that when this all started. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he would know. Um, but yeah, it's a really funny little little thing. Have you guys seen nice the TikTok? Nice guy, too. Wonderful, wonderful human. Being. That's great. Like one of those people that like when they get really a lot of success, you're just like
0: yeah. Yeah, That's he's just so good awesome. for you. He's just a lovely yeah. guy. Yeah. 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 Did did uh have you guys ever seen the TikTok with that the Batman TikToks where he's like um he walks up and somebody Throws something on the ground and it's and he grabs it and he's like litter bug and then he starts beating the crap out of it.
1: Oh no! Like,
0: and it, he's not hitting the person, but it's just like hitting the screen. Have you seen no. that? Like it went totally viral and like millions of views. And there's a kid that uh, went to school with my son. I remember him. he came up playing baseball with him, and he's done really well for oh, himself really. on TikTok. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah,
1: there's a lot of people like. I think,
2: though, I will say, I think it's like you get famous on TikTok, but if you can move to like. Any other platform, you get way more money. Like, TikTok apparently doesn't pay squat compared to the others. Brother, I'm telling you right now,
1: you Google Saksquatch, he's got 138,000 followers on Instagram. Like, just Google it. He's like, you can buy tickets for his 2023-2024 tour. Like, awesome. Yeah, he's a great guy. But anywho, anywho. Anyhow. Anywho? who? Yeah, any who's back to Anywhere? what we was up to. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I always. I, I said, I said, see to the guy this morning. Um, he, I, I was ordering some Starbucks on the way over here because like I never do that, but like someone gave me a ten dollar gift card for Mother's Day, so I like, I was like, ooh, sweet. So I got myself a little tick, a little t- coffee and a sandwich, and like the guy was like, is that all? And I was like, see. And he was like, what? So <laughs> uh, was, he
0: like, wasn't Latin, obviously. Yeah.
1: I, I I say stuff all the time that I think makes sense. Like I've said, "Dunka" to people, and they're just like, "What?" I'm like, "Is it okay?" I all don't right.
0: know
2: hey. any other languages, but C and Dunka. It feels like
1: I feel like if you know the word avocado, like you ought to know the word C. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, like if you, in any way, shape, or form, have ever in the history of your life celebrated Cinco de Mayo, you better know the word C. Yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> you know?
1: But anywho, we ready to roll, Andy?